friends, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And as you're turning there, we're in a series called The Best Rest. So if you're new, uh, visiting for the first time or haven't been here in a while, uh, we're in a series called The Best Rest where we're looking at what God has to say about the importance and centrality of not only knowing about rest, but experiencing rest. Now, last week, we looked at the same passage in Deuteronomy 5 and considered the simple point about the Sabbath. We said the Sabbath is a gift of God given to man, uh, not as a uh, law meant to burden us, but a gift for us to enjoy. Now we're looking again at the same passage, uh, again, but considering it now with this lens. Uh, the Sabbath recharges us to begin our work and our weeks in gospel freedom. Now that may sound a little abstract, but we're going to help clarify that as we uh, move along in this sermon. The central point is that the Sabbath helps us to experience rest, even in our Monday to our Fridays. And so friends, please stand with me as your act of worship, for we stand to read and receive God's holy word as it is a gift given to us. So hear now God's word, beginning with verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And would you pray once more? Father, it is our confession that this word is your living word, and you are a living God. And so speak to us your very words of life. Instruct us in the ways that we need to be instructed. Correct us in the ways we need to be corrected. Encourage us in the ways we need to be encouraged and comfort us in the ways we need to be comforted. Do this all through your living word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, as he speaks to us this morning, convicting us not only in mind, but also in heart, so that we would receive the rest that you desire for us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are a few things we call game changers in our lives. Things that once they come into our lives, things are forever changed. Uh, for a long time, that was for me a uh, sous vide machine. As a man who doesn't know how to cook, uh, you can't go wrong with the sous vide machine. Uh, yesterday, I had uh, dinner with Dan and Gloria, and we were talking about how much an air fryer is a game changer. Um, but for me, when I was in high school, college, and graduate school, the biggest game changer was a weekly planner. Uh, I used a weekly dayminder, uh, at a glance dayminder, uh, and I loved it. it. It really helped me organize, you know, my life and make sure my grades were good because I always knew when tests were coming up and how to uh, outline, you know, what readings I needed to do and all the assignments. But I realized this after using that same planner for uh, 12 years of my life, uh, it had this effect on me because the way the planner was organized was on the left side was three columns, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On the right, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But Sunday was relegated to this little block right under Saturday. Uh, it was about one-fifth of the space. And so even visually, Sunday just looked last and least important in the middle of the week. And I began to realize that using this planner after 12 years, I started thinking and kind of approaching Sunday as if it was the last day of the week. 
and not realizing that actually, no, Monday is not the first day of the week. Work doesn't revolve, or my week doesn't revolve around work and, and the start of Monday. It actually begins with Sunday and the Christian Sabbath. Now, I bring that up because what about you? How do you view Sunday? How do you treat Sunday? How do you approach Sunday? And for many of us, um, it's almost like Sunday is the last day of the week. And that will actually begin to change the way you approach it and the way you treat it. Here's what I mean. I mean, even in our vocabulary, we talk about the weekend ending with Sunday. And so we refer to it as a weekend. Uh, We talk about Mondays and we say the week is beginning or the new week. And so when we do this, we tend to relegate Sunday not as the first day of the week, but as the last day of the week. Internally, we kind of view it that way. But that will change the way we view Sunday and the function of Sunday in the week. So much, uh, so often we, we view the weekend as, as this kind of uh, prize, don't we? Um, that we've endured and we're, we're like uh, Israelites in the wilderness, right? Monday, the Friday, the work week is just sojourning in that desert wilderness without water and food. Uh, and then Cain in the promised land, the weekend has come, right? And so we say things like TGI, thank goodness, or thank God, it's Friday. Why? Because Saturday, the gift of our labors has come. And then we view Sunday, uh, not as the climax, but almost like the decline, because it's the day right before work. And now my week is starting. But I think viewing the week that way will inevitably change uh, so much because you actually miss out on a large purpose of the Sabbath. You know, Sabbath, especially as Christians, we now observe Sabbath on Sundays in light of Christ's resurrection. And so Sunday, beginning the first day of the week, actually has a very powerful uh, way of of influencing and shaping our perspective on the week to come. Because remember what God said um, through the Ten Commandments. Look at verses 13 and 14. God had established this simple pattern. It's one we're all familiar with. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Right? God, God has established a pattern, a week of seven days, six days you shall labor, uh, the seventh day you shall rest. Now here in, in our American culture and society, uh, our work weeks are usually something like work five days and rest two days. But the pattern is, is essentially uh, set, seven days, right? You start your week, you end your week. But here's the thing about the week's pattern. It repeats itself over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life. You start a week, you end a week, you start a week and you end a week. And so our lives in one sense can be measured by a series of weeks. That we start a week and we end a week. We start a week and we end a week. Meaning that when the Sabbath, the Sabbath does two things. We tend to think about it as ending a week, right? It's the prize, it's the reward of rest for ending a hard week of work. But at the same time, the Sabbath also starts a week. Meaning that its function isn't only to give you rest after you've completed a work a week, but the Sabbath also recharges you for an upcoming work of, week of work. It has a resting and a recharging function. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it's really interesting to notice that in the Old Testament, the Sabbath is given here in, the, in Deuteronomy uh, 5. It's given to people and it's given to livestock. But actually, if you read in Leviticus 25, you notice that the Sabbath is also given to the land that the land is called to obey a Sabbath. And so listen to what it says in Leviticus 25. When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, you shall sow your field. And for six years, you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. The question is, why did God institute a Sabbath for the land? 
we have to understand that Israel was an agricultural society. And so they tilled the land, they worked the land. And so you instituted a whole Sabbath for the land so that it could replenish itself so that it would yield good crops in the years to come. That the land wasn't given rest simply because, oh man, I worked so hard for six years. It was to ensure that the future fruitfulness of the land would stay intact. And so in this sense, you understand that the Sabbath's function is not only rest, but recharging. And if that's true, then the way we come and understand the Sabbath day is that it's not simply a reward after a week of labor. It's also a reorientation to start a new week. And we all need this. It reminds me of the story of the old experienced lumberjack who was uh, nearing the age of retirement when a new up and, younger, uh, up and, up and coming uh, young star challenged him to an all-day wood chopping contest. And the day the contest came and this young stud was just chopping wood all day without a single break except for a brief lunch. Every time he looked over, this old man was sitting down on a stump that he had just cleared taking a break. He enjoyed a long, leisurely lunch. The whole day went by and this young lumberjack, um, to his surprise and quite frankly to his frustration, found out he lost. That this older experienced lumberjack had cut far more wood than he. And exasperated, he shouted, I don't get it. Every time I looked over, you were sitting down resting. How did you cut more wood than me? And the elder woodsman simply nodded and said, well, you're absolutely right. But what you didn't notice is that every time I was resting, I was sharpening my axe. You see, the Sabbath, by beginning your week, sets your trajectory. It sharpens your axe, so to speak. So you enter into the week with a, uh, a new kind of rest and uh, refreshment. It's not only physical. Yes, we're called to rest physically on the Sabbath, but it's spiritual. And that rest is important because the idolatry of the human heart is all the same. We all operate defaultly because of our sin with a works-driven, performance-oriented mindset. We want to earn and to achieve. We don't want to receive freely from God. And so God, our creator, has created us to know him, love him, worship him. He says, this is your identity. You're made in my image, you're mine. We in our sin have rejected God and said, we don't want to receive your identity. We want to achieve our own identity. We want to forge it. We want to create our own destiny. And so what do we do? One of the things we do, especially in our culture, is that we look to our work to give us our identity. We look to our careers. We look to our jobs. We look to our status as students. We look to our grades. We're always looking for something outside of God to give us meaning and significance and worth and value. And so what ends up happening? Work becomes so tiring. Work becomes exhausting. Studies are no longer enjoyable and refreshing, but they are great labors. But that temptation... There is a way to fight the temptation. And one of those ways is to regularly practice a Sabbath. There's something about gathering together as God's people, corporately in covenant worship, that will make such a big difference for the Christian. Because when we gather to remember the gospel, the freedom of the gospel, it reorients our trajectory for the rest of the week. Let me put this all together as our text shows us. Now, you may know that the Ten Commandments are recorded twice in the Old Testament. Here we read from Deuteronomy 5 very intentionally, but the more famous account of it is actually found in Exodus 20. And it's more famously found in Exodus 20 because in the Exodus account, what has happened? Israel was uh, enslaved 
in Egypt. God sent Moses to deliver them. They're out in the desert. They meet God at Mount Sinai. God descends upon a big, you know, there's thunder, lightning, and a cloud. God speaks to them, gives them the Ten Commandments. Now, Deuteronomy is actually written about 40 years later. And so the context of the command is different. But here's the thing. If you compare this, and I did this, I opened a Word doc, and I just put up all 10 commandments, and you look, and you compare and contrast, they are exactly the same except for regarding one commandment. The command is the same, but the reason is different. It's very interesting. When Exodus 20 gives you the command to obey the Sabbath, here's the reason it gives. Let me read Exodus 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's familiar. Why? Why should we do that? For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath command here is grounded in God's creation pattern. God is saying, I work six days. I rested the seventh. You do the same. Now you get to Deuteronomy 5 and the reason to keep the Sabbath is different. Here we read this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Same command. But now the why is different. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, here, the Sabbath is commanded. The grounds of it is in God's redemption. Exodus 20 was God's creation. Deuteronomy 5 is God's redemption. God says this, I freed you from slavery in Egypt. I want you to remember that, and I want you to rest in that. And the question is, why is it different? Now, we've already talked about chronologically it being different. Moses wrote Deuteronomy 20, uh, 40 years later. And at this point in Deuteronomy, the scene is entirely different. In Exodus, Israel had just been led out of the Red Sea. They meet God at Mount Sinai. But in Deuteronomy, now Israel is standing at the banks of the Jordan River. They see Canaan, the promised land, and they're about to cross over. So not only is the geography and the time different, but most importantly, the audience is different. The Exodus audience had just been set free. Everything was fresh in their heads. But because of their rebellion and their grumbling and their complaining, God basically said, none of you, except for Joshua and Caleb, are going to cross over, not even Moses. And so the audience now about to cross over, they themselves weren't in Egypt. They didn't experience the Exodus deliverance. And Moses, who himself won't cross over, is basically saying this as any good father would. He's looking at the children of Israel and he says, here's my fear. My fear is because you guys never experienced the Exodus deliverance. When you cross over, you're going to forget. And so he takes this command, this weekly command of Sabbath observance, and he embeds in it the redemption. So saying what? In order for you not to forget every single week when you observe the Sabbath, you must remember the good news. That God delivered you out of slavery and into freedom. And that becomes so much important. That becomes so important because the Sabbath then becomes this weekly reminder for the people of God to remember, we are not slaves to our work anymore. We have been redeemed. We have been set free. That's our, I, our identity. Now you may be thinking, okay, that's great. Well, that's the Old Testament. But friends, this commandment, it has so many more implications for us than it actually does for them. You know why? Yes, they were Israel, but we are the true Israel. Spiritual Israel, united to Christ, we are offspring of Abraham by faith. And so in the Exodus, yes, they had a, a, a great redemption and deliverance, but in Christ Jesus, the, the experience of redemption and deliverance is so much greater. That in fact, what you see in the Exodus account of Israel being enslaved to Egypt, 
was really pointing to the greater, more severe problem of humanity's enslavement to sin. The very sin and enslavement you and I were born into. But in God's mighty deliverance, God freed us not through his servant Moses, but through his son, Jesus. Right? Of course, in the Exodus account, how was Israel delivered and freed? Well, they were led out by God. And then as the enemies were pursuing, God uh, sent judgment waters, the waters of the Red Sea to fall upon them. But how was a Christian delivered? God sent his judgment on his son so that you and I, the enemies of God, would be set free. And so through what Christ has done, he has broken sin's enslaving grip upon us. He has freed us from enslaving idolatries. He has restored you and basically said this, you are my covenant people through what my son has done. The identity, the worth, the significance, the status, everything that you're looking for in work, I'm giving to you in Jesus Christ. These are things to receive by faith. You are no longer enslaved to working out your own identity. You are now free to receive it in Christ. That's why Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, for the Christian, Sabbath observance, coming together in corporate worship, all of this is to fill us with gospel remembrance of an identity that we don't achieve, but we receive. So when we come together, and this is why it's such a priority, what do we do? We sing songs that are gospel-centered to bring gospel and remembrance to you. We experience in the order of our worship. That's why we do confession of sin and assurance of pardon. So there's gospel and remembrance. The preaching of the word of God, I hope the grace of God through this week messenger, is to give you gospel remembrance. And so coming together then on Sunday and observing the Sabbath together then should set the trajectory for the rest of your week because it means this. You now enter into Monday no longer working for an, for an identity. You enter into Monday working out of your identity. You see, work, in, work is so tiring. It's so much more tiring than it should be. Work is cursed as a result of the fall of Genesis 3, but it's so much more tiring because we can't help but approach our work trying to get something from it, something that it can't give us, something that it was not meant to give us, something only God can give us, but we refuse to get it from him, we get it from our work. So we're constantly looking and evaluating our performance, you know, our profits, our productivity, our proficiency. We're saying, what do these things have to say about me? How is my work defining me? What identity is it giving me? But if you come and every week you remember the gospel, gospel freedom, then you enter into your week no longer looking to receive those things, but living out those very truths. I enter now into Monday in my union with Christ by faith. I enter into my week, not going, oh, let's see how this week goes, how productive I am, how much I can get done, how, how, how much I can accomplish, how many sales I can do, how many uh, quizzes I can get an A on, how much homework I can accomplish, how many reading I can. You don't enter your Monday that way. You enter your Monday with the gospel freedom of hearing the Lord say over you, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. And you begin living out your identity. And that should change then your Monday to Saturday. Life is so tiring. Rest escapes us. We're stressed. We're anxious. Yes, you work long hours. Yes, it's demanding. Yes, there are deadlines. Yes, it's exhausting because the people you work with are stressful. Yes, uh, the people above you are incompetent. All of these things, yes, they're true. But the real reason that we're tired is because we're looking to work to give us something it cannot give us. 
But when you remember the gospel, the freedom of the gospel, it frees you now for work to just be work. And then that rest doesn't come just you no longer saying, oh, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. But every day, you remember that rest. Every day can be restful. You see, that's why it's so important to gather on Sabbath observance to come and to remember the gospel and to worship together and to realize that this is setting the trajectory for the rest of my week. Why work for that which you already have? It reminds me of this old story of a uh, investment, American investment banker who went down on a little vacation to a small fishing coastal village in Mexico. And he befriended a local fisherman and he noticed that his fish were immaculate. They were great. They were always fresh. And so he commended them. But he asked him, how long does it take you to, cap- to, to get all this fish? And he said, well, just a few hours. And the investment banker, you know, very wise, strategic man said, well, why don't you spend a little bit more time? And the guy says, well, you know, I have all the time in the world now. You know, I can come home. I can play with my kids. I could take walks with my wife, have a nice dinner, drink wine in the evening, hang out with my friends, play guitar. And the man says, well, he started shaking his head to the banker. He says, well, let me tell you something. If you worked a little bit longer, then you'd make more money. You could buy a fleet of boats. If you had a fleet of boats, you'd make more money. You can build your own cannery. Build your own cannery, then you can um, grow your company. You can move to Mexico City. You can become global. And then when you're ready, you could sell all of it and make millions. The fisherman thought about that. And he said, well, how long does that take? And the guy said, well, 15 to 20 years max. The fisherman said, well, then what? Well, then you retire and you enjoy yourself. The fisherman said, but then what would I do? He said, this is the best part. You'd be able to play with your kids. You'd be able to take walks with your wife, drink wine in the evening, hang out with your friends, play guitar. The fisherman looked at him and said, well, isn't that exactly what I'm doing now? Why work for that which I already have? Gospel remembrance on the Sabbath observance and corporate worship is a remembrance that you don't have to work for anything because you already have it. In Jesus Christ, you have been set free that God himself with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm has saved you. Now, here's the thing, friends, and we'll close soon. There's a phrase that we often say, which is preach the gospel to yourself daily. And that's true. We're called to remember the gospel every day. In the same way that Israel was called to remember their deliverance from slavery every day. And yet God in his wisdom sets apart the Sabbath for some particular reason that we don't quite yet understand. You know, there's something interesting about this command, the fourth commandment that separates it from the other 10 commandments, right? And that's this. In the 10 commandments, God gives very clearly 10 commands, but it's only in the fourth commandment he repeats the command twice. If you actually look at the beginning of verse 12, God had said this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And then he ends the commandment by reiterating, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. It's the only commandment where the command is repeated twice. Here's the thing. Even if we don't fully understand why this weekly remembrance is so important, the call is not to trust in your understanding. The call is to trust in God. The trust that he has ordained something spiritually special and significant about the seventh Sabbath day. 
The call is to trust him that in his wisdom and his, in his goodness, when he's given this command for us, it is important. Because it's only when we trust God and we obey him, then the experience of rest that he's promising in the freedom of the gospel can actually be manifested in your life. Friends, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and start another day. You know, Monday, Sunday night then often becomes such a depressing day. If you think about work week and we think about all we have to do and we get anxious about the meetings and the deadlines that we already have, we're fighting what we know that after we left the office on Friday, we'll be waiting for us in our inboxes. But you start your Monday, not because that's the first day of the week, you start it in the gospel freedom that Christ Jesus already says about you. You are loved, accepted. I've given you worth, significance, status. You don't have to work for your worth or strive for your significance. I've given you these things. Now work out of your identity and you will find that your week is full of a new type of rest that you may have never experienced before. Pray with me.